one. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of All Out War. This is episode number 111. Wow. 111. Three ones. Wow. <laughs> There's some... Hey, on 7-Eleven. On 7-Eleven. 111. Oh, man. There's... <laughs> People's heads are exploding with the numerology on that one. <laughs> uh, it's been a while, man. We had almost about a month since we did our last episode. We had Marsha wow. on last time, Marsha Montenegro. We're talking about the Age of Aquarius. It was great. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to that. She's always informative. But uh, what do you know, Rosie? Hey, I got two because... Uh, they're both animal related. Okay. You know, like this. So did you know that the first cloned animal was cloned in 1885? 1885. Wow. Yep. By Hans uh, Hans uh, Dreisch. Dreisch. Uh, he cloned a sea urchin in 1885. <laughs> a sea urchin? Yeah. <laughs> I never would have thought that. Yeah. How did he do? Did it say how he did it? Uh, it? Yeah. Basically, he like got some... I can't remember... Um, he basically got a, uh, a embryo egg of a sea urchin that was like just done. Yeah. And then he just spun it around and like separated the cell into two and they grew into two different ones. Wow. Like super basic. Um, <laughs> the article right here, I was trying to look to well, see if 1800s, they had. 1800s, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. But yeah. So first animal was cloned in 1885. That's cool. He, yeah. he probably like was looking at his like helper and he's like, spin it, spin it. And the guy has like a, like a, like a bicycle, uh, <laughs> faster, faster. <laughs> All right. Here's another one. Did you know that there was a baboon who worked for the railroad and never made a mistake? <laughs> never made a mistake. Yes. His name was Sig Signal Man Jack. <laughs> Look at this picture of him. He's working the, he's working <laughs> What does he do? He was where here, I'll read this. It's a little short thing. <laughs> One day in the eighteen eighties, a peg legged railway signalman named James Edwin Wide was visiting a buzzing South African market where he witnessed something surreal. A cha chachma baboon driving an ox cart. Impressed by the primate's skills, Wide bought him, named him Jack, and made him his pet and personal assistant. Why well, needed the help? <laughs> it's, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> he was personal assistant. Uh, years later, he had lost both his legs in a work accident, which made his half-mile commute to the train station extremely difficult for him. So the first thing he trained the primate to do was push him to and from work in a small trolley. That is so wrong. Soon, Jack was also helping with household chores, <laughs> sweeping floors, and taking out the trash. But <laughs> but the signal box is where Jack truly shined. As the trains <laughs> approach the rail switches at the Eitenhaga train station, they toot their whistle a specific number of times to alert the signalman which tracks to change. By watching his owner, Jack picked up the pattern and started tugging on the levers himself. No way. Soon, Wide, oh was, soon Wide was able to kick back and relax as his <laughs> furry helper did all of the work switching the rails. <laughs> According to the railway signal uh, newspaper or something, Wide, quote, trained the baboon to such perfection that he was able to sit in his cabin stuffing birds, etc., while the animal, which was chained up outside, pulled all the lever levers and points. 
As the story goes, one day a posh train passenger staring out the window saw that a baboon (laughs) and not a human was manning the gears and complained to railway authorities. Rather than fire wide, the railway managers decided to resolve the complaint by testing the baboon's abilities. They came away astounded. Quote, Jack knows the signal whistles, signal whistle as well as I do. Also, every one of the levers, wrote the railway superintendent, George, uh, whoever. George Bailey. George B. <laughs> Barnum. <Yeah>. Barnum. <laughs> George Barnum. <laughs> Who visited the baboon sometime around 1890. Uh, quote, it was very tr- touching to see his fondness for his master. As I drew near, they were both sitting on the trolley. The baboon's <laughs> arms around the master's neck, the other stroking Wyatt's face. What? Jack was reportedly given an official employment number and was paid 20 cents a day and half a bottle of beer weekly. (laughs) Yeah, and I read somewhere else. I thought they'd pay him in bananas. No, they paid him in beer and cigarettes. (laughs) Beer and cigarettes? (laughs) I remember. I think it was beer and cigarettes. Yeah. I mean, all right. First of all. The judgment of the superior off, uh, like management over this whole thing is so suspect. First of all, you hired a monkey. Second of all, you pay him beer. He liked beer. <laughs> yeah. You want a drunk monkey <laughs> running your, your railroad stuff? Yeah. Uh, it said, well, here you go. Uh, Jack passed away in 1890 after developing tuberculosis. He wrote th- from cigarettes. <laughs> Bro, he worked the rails for nine years without ever making a mistake. Wow. Evidence that perfectionism may, may be more than just a human condition. Wow. Okay. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's an amazing one. That's one of my favorite ones ever. Yeah. The, the, just the picture of this. <laughs> he's, like, he's like standing up on his hind legs holding the sign. You need to put that in the, in the Instagram story. You yes. need to share okay. that. Yes. I think people need to see that. Yes, S- send me that okay. article. I'll oh, well. try and we'll make it. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, we have an amazing, an amazing podcast episode this time, and I'm so glad. It was worth the month-long wait that you had to get us again. We have a wonderful guest. His name is James Musker. I'm going to interview him on the other side of this. but We're going to interview him. Yes, we're all going to interview him. And uh, so you, what you need to do right now is you need to sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy you're listening to the all-out war podcast Well, welcome everybody to another episode of All Out War. I am Turner, and I'm joined with Rosie and Rachel in the studio. We have an amazing guest tonight. It's so great. His name is James Musker. He's a theologian with a degree in religious studies, and he also has been uh, studying these themes that we're going to discuss this topic tonight for over 30 years. He's married. He works in the finance industry in the city of London. I want to welcome to the podcast for the first time ever, James Musker. James, how are you, my friend? I'm very well, thank you. It's lovely to be here with you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, we <Our> pleasure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's an honor for us to have you. I heard you on William Ramsey's podcast, and I bought your book, and I consumed the book pretty quickly. I contacted Rosie, and I was like, "Dude, we got to get this guy. This is amazing." 
the t- the title of your book is called the world the new world religion and the beliefs of the elite and you break down a three-pronged approach towards how the new world order is going to establish really the one world religion that's uh spoken of in the bible and it was so encouraging to me and refreshing because mm-hmm. you know as you and I were saying just a few minutes ago it's as if uh, a big portion of christian uh church especially here in the united states is just missing on these points and they they for whatever reason don't want to touch on it maybe they don't they're not aware of it uh or they're just afraid to speak on it because it does it does uh get people freaked out a little bit you know <laughs> it's a very emotive subject and it's it's quite tricky to broach yes yeah <laughs> So let's go real quick, a little bit of background. What what drove you to actually start a book like this? Well, I began to research. I was always very keen on Christianity and a, a believer. And um, after I left university, I, I went into business and I, I was a financial advisor, investments. But I started to notice that there was a big gap to do with um, the religious aspect of the New World Order and that practically every other aspect was kind of concluded and covered off. What's the point of writing a book about the political uh, machinations that have been going on in recent times or even the economic? And so uh, I I decided to concentrate on on the religious aspect because that's the only major area that hasn't been dealt with and hasn't been subdued by the sort of greater cryptocracy, the hidden government, (laughs) the cryptocracy is what I call them. Yeah, that that term cryptocracy, I read it in the book and I immediately was like, okay, what in the world does he mean here? And then it took me a second to understand what you're meaning. So if I'm correct, it's it's basically another word or another term for deep state. Is that what you're saying? Yes, it's kind of uh, above the deep state, I would suggest. It's those are the sort of 10, 5 10, 15 families that are running everything that we see and they stand behind the government. Mm-hmm. They control all the secret uh, CIA, MI6, all of these secret agencies, etc., and everything else. And the cryptocracy, they are doing things and affecting things that we can't see because they don't want to be known. Mm-hmm. Although I think we might be entering into a time where they're a bit fed up of creeping around and they might start to come out of the woodwork. We're kind of perhaps even seeing that now, but yeah. yeah, the cryptocracy is a term that I'll use. Yeah. So let's walk through a little bit of uh, kind of how you would help us understand what what how this book relates, and and someone might want to get the book. We're going to put the the links to it as well, and and let everybody know how they can get the book as well. Yeah, well, the book starts off fairly quickly, going through the political, economic, and sort of covering off the military power. It's very Bible based. And it explains how, um, obviously, in Revelation 13, we have the chapter where the one world political system is already established, where it says that um, all authority was given him over every tribe, tongue and nation. So that's the one world political system, Revelation 13:7, And one world economy is also there, verse 16. And, of course, the one world religion concept goes back all the way to the Tower of Babel. So the book quickly goes through those three main areas of political, 
economic and religious and says that that's the only area that hasn't been subdued. And we have various groups such as the United Religions Initiative who are seeking to amalgamate, amalgamate, join up, syncretic, get all the world's religions together. Islam and Christianity probably um, are one of the sort of major areas that they wish to join us all in. And that's why all the kids are being brought up today, not really to be taught Christianity per se, but sort of religions all on an equal footing. And we can see from United Religions Initiative that they're just one of the groups, particularly in the third world, aiming to join people together and bring them in. <laughs> but uh, I, I was alerted to the United Religions Initiative aspect because of George Schultz. He actually died earlier on this year in February, age 100. But he, he's been a high-level cryptocracy member, I would argue, for a long time. Um, and he was a trustee of the United Religions Initiative. So it must have been very important to them to have him even there. So it's also related to the United Nations beliefs, which are linked to theosophy and the emergence of the church universal. And so we've got uh, the New Age religion with Madame Blavatsky going forward into Alice A. Bailey and the United Nations. And basically the one world religious religion concept I mentioned will be a sort of amalgamation of the cryptocracies, initially Luciferian religion mixed in with a bit of dark green religion and also New Age. Mm. So... That's what we're seeing slowly being rolled out. Now, yeah. you uh, just recently, in, I didn't mean to cut you off there, I'm sorry, um, but recently, in fact, this week, Rosie, I think it was you or Rachel sent uh, sent us over, there was two buildings built in Israel, one mm. for Protestant um, and Catholic, another one, or Protestant and Muslim, and then another one for Catholic and Muslim, uh, Convergence, it's that whole Chrislam thing. Was that you guys? I'm sorry. Yeah, Rachel. Yeah, that was me. Because uh, there's one in Germany, and then there's one in the United Arab Emirates. Oh, that's what, okay. Um, and they're calling them the Abrahamic Faith, um, basically religious center. So they have three buildings. Um, one is uh, a mosque. One is a, um, gosh, I'm blanking on the word for. Uh, Synagogue? Yes, <laughs> I was. And then the other one is um, in the UA, uh, the UAI. It's um, Catholic, a Catholic church, and then in hmm. Germany, it's a Protestant church. But it's still that conglomeration of Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. And so they're trying to tie into the Abrahamic roots of each of the religions and having it in just one center with three different buildings. And that way, I mean, their highlight is wanting to put it on. Um, like a, a great place for people to talk about everything instead of talk about each other about everything. Um, <laughs> but they're trying to show them as, you know what, we're all got the same uh, basis. And so we need to work together essentially. And so that immediately was like, oh, okay, red flags a little bit. <laughs> um, but they have plans like that initiative has plans to, create more of those locations in other places. So I wouldn't be surprised if we had something like that in America within the next five years. Yeah. So I was going to say, James, this is kind of an interesting question. When you're talking about all the 
like because like it makes sense to me obviously to hear about like um the abrahamic religion like to to be able to use that like term because they're like oh we all came literally come from the same guy you know abraham we can trace back the the delineations of the religions from one person um but i was gonna say like it's so weird when you're talking about because you have the like the deep green which is like the would that be like considered like the wicca and like the crazy by green you mean like ecology correct yeah 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 they want to it's to do with uh, the writings of people like um uh waldo emerson ralph waldo emerson and Mm. he was talking about the avatar film that's what that's that's it the idea that everything is connected and that um Sort of the internet of things will mean that everything's connected into the group mind and hmm. Sigourney Weaver <laughs> going <laughs> off to uh, so yeah it's Avatar is a good um, sort of green connection um, and there are some other connections but uh, Abraham going back to Abraham yeah Abraham met Melchizedek um, mm-hmm. in Genesis and Melchizedek was um, the priest of Salem, wasn't he? And he was a um, he was um, of the tribe of Judah. Mm-hmm. Oh no, yeah, he was a tribe of Judah, and Jesus was a tribe of Judah. But um, then it says that he was a tribe of Levite in Hebrews six. Um, so yeah, I need to check that. But there's an interesting yeah. link there that's worth exploring. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with Abraham meeting Melchizedek. Yeah, he was yeah. Abraham. The, his name it's this, he was the king of the city of peace. Yeah, Salem, you know, Salam is peace. So, but yeah, the the whole reason I was going to get back to that, uh, uh, James, was it's so weird that like because so many of these like different uh, disparate like religions that you were talking about, like they, it doesn't seem like they would all naturally like come together. (laughs) Like you know, with Theosophy, um, is like they have some like even though it's the basis for some new age beliefs like i know that they um blavatsky wrote about some stuff that uh would be considered like almost like very fascist so to speak like with like the different races and stuff like that which doesn't go you know like i'm i'm just trying to think like is there um this amalgamation is they are they trying to come up with this to just basically be everything except Christianity, like in their religion, and they're just taking from literally everything, and they don't care if some stuff doesn't maybe uh, uh, at odds with each other, like within the new religion. Yes, the the cryptocracy are not so naive to believe that they can control everyone without there being an underlying belief system. Right. And the trouble, however good one person is at controlling everything, it's actually quite difficult for them to um, control everything without some underlying belief. And that belief can go forwards for many generations. And so the, the, the Bible kind of states that eventually people will be worshipping Satan, yeah, so it's that, isn't it? So eventually, that's the end goal. But prior to that, they're going to gray everything out, mm-hmm. join all the religions together, and there'll be East 
Eastern religions and evolution and those sorts of concepts. There'll be transhumanist types of concepts to control us, manage us, and enable them to take us forwards. Uh, we are entering into this sort of new slave state yeah. that um, they want to take us into, and this will all be part of it. But I believe underneath it, according to the Bible, there will be a, a new new religion of some type that basically is emerging now, and it's it's probably summed up as being maybe an element of their ancient sort of Wiccan religion from before, but also mixed in with more modern sort of space age beliefs. And uh, uh, so, yeah, it'll be amalgamation. And I, I don't put on the book, I don't quite sort of nail it down. I leave it a bit, a little bit open on mm-hmm. what that religion will be. But I do believe eventually it will be to take us into this strange sort of occult world that they want. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so when you talk about it, ultimately... I can actually see that... Oh, sorry. <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead, Rach. No, I'm, I'm just <laughs> saying, I, um, I don't necessarily like social media for so many reasons. I do like the way that it connects a lot of people. But something that I like to keep tabs on is the underlying threads of what are the major influencers trying to promote as part of like a universal thought that appeals to everyone and something that appeals to everyone is trying to find a common ground in what they believe whether you believe something completely opposite to someone else at least trying to find the middle ground so with those different um religions and even wicca and even occult and the new age and all of those things i could even see someone if they were clever enough being able to link it to things like hinduism buddhism uh, indigenous uh, religions where everything is interconnected, everything has, you know, whether it's chi, whether it's frequencies, everything has a sort of rhythm of life. Because, I mean, it's clear that God has breathed life into everything. And so every culture, whether or not they know of God, they know that there is some kind of universal thing holding everything together. So I think that since Satan masquerades as an angel of light, he can probably, and I don't doubt that this will happen, he will become attractive to everyone, whatever their basis for religion is, and he'll make some some kind of world religion that somehow connects every single facet of what people want to believe outside of what God has defined as who is God and what is holy. So, Anyone who's not familiar with what God says about himself might be fooled into this new thing that seems to connect everyone and seems to kind of check all the boxes for all of these different belief systems and make everyone happy. Like, I really think that people won't have to compromise too much of what they believe because of the, um, the way that whoever this is is going to tie everyone's beliefs in kind of a you know what, we are all the same. We all believe different things in different frequencies and colors and shades, but at the root of it all, here's what actually is going on. And so that's where I think that maybe signs and wonders will be coming into it because he's going to have to show everyone that he is worth believing in instead of maybe who they were expecting to be their Messiah. So that's just my thought, my theory. Like, I could see the way that people's thoughts and 
the way that their state of thinking are. Like a lot of people are becoming more open-minded and trying to walk away from their more traditionally held um, beliefs. Um, even within things like Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, people are trying to find something that unifies everybody. So I think that yeah. that will actually be a really attractive thing in the future. What do you What do you say, James, about like the atheist? Well, I feel that uh, they're the hidden government are promoting them as much as they can because it, if they can have everyone believing that everything's untrue, it, they're highly unlikely to find out about them, first of all. And um, that's why we've got people like Richard Dawkins promoting sort of false teachings, telling us um, that materialism and physicality is all that exists and anything outside of that, those people are, de- are deceived, which is... A, a dangerous belief and it, 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 there are so many problems associated with it as well mm-hmm. so atheism is something that they want to promote yeah now in your book there when you talk about the government side of things you you, you specifically mention cfr which i i know some of our listeners are, are familiar with but here in the united states a lot of people don't realize the impact that that group has and has had historically in the direction of our nation. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Well, the CFR Council of Foreign Relations is based, it was based in Harold Pratt House in New York, and then it moved to Washington. And you've got that famous video where you have Hillary Clinton (laughs) stand up and saying, we don't have far to go now to get um, our orders from the mothership that is the CFR. (laughs) Hint, hint. Um, These are the guys that are running you. (laughs) <laughs> and they are the guys that are running you because when the Cecil Rhodes group started um, in about 1902, it morphed a few years before, but it got going. They, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which was the British side of the Rhodes group, basically started the Council of Foreign Relations. And that also joined up with the Eastern Establishment, the Inquiry, which was basically the New York bankers of, of that era. Um, and in about 1920, it started the CFR. And it was sort of an amalgamation of those people who were at the Treaty of Versailles, setting up World War II, believe mm-hmm. it or not, at the Treaty of Versailles. We're going to give Germany such a harsh set of rules. They are the people that are running America's CFR. I know, <laughs> it's incredible. Um, but... There are lots of little hints here and there that that's what's going on, not only from Hillary Clinton and others, but during the Cuban Missile Crisis, there was very good evidence that JFK was being led up the garden path by four of his uh, um, close advisors, uh, people like Dean Acheson, um, I can't remember some of the others, but George McBundy, people like that, Mm -hmm. who were saying, yeah, go on, do the Bay of Pigs, um, and then, of course, the air power didn't arrive, the boats didn't arrive. It was all a, it was all a disaster. But you do see this CFR running things um, if you look. Now, if you research, you'll see Richard Haas there, um, who, who, who comes across as just a fairly sort of academic sort of Jewish chap. But they, yeah, as I say, they're, they're, they're running you. Yeah, we're run by the Royal Institute of International Affairs here in the UK. You're run by them. They're the same secret group doing everything together and they yeah so there we go there are a few good books about that and uh 
I've got a good book that might, you might like. It's by uh, a writer called Servando Gonzalez. He writes about the CFR, mm. Servando Gonzalez. He's a Cuban, and that's why he mentions um, the CFR and the Cuban Missile Crisis, but he's pretty strong on the CFR. Mm. So research that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay, let's let's keep moving through. I, I, I love your notes that you gave us, so I'm going to stick to those as much as we can. Uh, as we move through the podcast here. So you you talk about how you mentioned something here and you said they're kind of moving us like sheep or they're moving us like into this controlled slave state and they're using different things to accomplish that. Uh, most recently, obviously, we you know, the world's just been dealing with the overreaction to the, this pandemic and that connection there. Can you speak to that for us? Yes, well... Um it's quite interesting about the virus because someone was saying to me the other day that um, it, is it possible that the entire project was something that they had sort of on the shelf ready mm. and uh, then when it kind of occurred they right roll out you know mm -hmm. um, this style but I don't think that that's really true there are so many areas that do show the hidden hand for example we had before it event 201 mm -hmm. and 201 numerology um the o is the earth and two and the one is agenda 21 so they were referring to that just before it happened and of course the date when lockdown was just happened to be march 2020 which is a 322 two, which 20 you take the zero away numerology so it's a 322 and that's a bit of more evidence that it was all planned and thought out probably for decades before. And so wow. I'm just beginning, yeah, I'm beginning to think that this whole thing about COVID-19 uh, is, is really a fraud. And I, I don't particularly like to say that. And it's not that easy, a tenable position to hold. And if you think about 9-11 with the planes, if you had come out a week after saying there weren't any planes, people would have you know, looked at you like you were you were crazy. But I'm beginning to think that, is it possible? And, and we're not seeing it anywhere in the media, but is it possible that COVID-19 does not even exist? Mm -hmm. Is it possible? I mean, therefore, people who are, are getting the flu and they're going, I've got COVID-19, and we're seeing it in the UK that people who are now getting COVID-19 are now saying it's the Delta variant. Mm -hmm. So... Have they, they've never managed to isolate the genome for um, the virus. So how on earth can they prove the DNA constituent pieces of, of it? Okay, we can get scientists to give us fake information. And um, so I'm beginning to think that it's really, it's rebadged influenza. Yeah. And uh, that's why in England... For example, we only had one case of flu over the last year. And, um, yeah, one case. Oh, so normally there are several thousand um, cases of flu yeah. uh, each year. But instead, all of the numbers for flu were put into COVID-19. Mm -hmm. Here's another one. Flu kills people aged 82. And corona also kills people aged 82. <laughs> and what are the symptoms of corona? Well, they're the same as influenza. Mm -hmm. there, there was a story going around that with COVID, you lose your sense of taste. But I, I've had flu 
15 years ago and I, I remember I lost my sense of taste a little bit. So the recovery rate as well for the whole virus situation is very, very high. Your chances of falling sick and dying from, from the virus, luckily, are very, very low. 99% recovery rate. So it's not even an epidemic. That's, <laughs> that's not an epidemic. If it were 30% recovery rate, then that would be an epidemic. But everywhere, you know, they're saying that it's a 99% recovery rate, and so it can't be an epidemic, and therefore it can't be a fraud. And so could it be like the air traffic controllers? On 9-11, you had the air traffic controllers, didn't you, saying this happened and Betty Ong was doing this and all of this. But is, could it be the, the situation that we've got the scientists saying the same thing? Yes, our latest DNA sequencing is showing us this and we're going, oh, yes, that means it must be a, a strain. And so it goes on. I'm, I'm beginning to think that the real story behind the virus is not actually the virus and whether they released it even, although I think they did and it was made in a lab, and that's another another thing. But I think the real story is the vaccine mm -hmm. because yeah. they've released the vaccine, obviously, to and people aren't going to die straight away. That would be far too obvious. <laughs> They're going to just knock it down. The people's mortality rate is going to be a bit lower. So... Anyway, I don't know what, what your views are on that. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, everything you're saying, I, I think there's real possibility of, of that being the case, was, without question. I was going to say, I've... <laughs> I, I've thought this was whole, just fake the whole time. So well, you're in right company with me, at least. Yeah, that's great. You can yeah. you can uh, yeah. you can follow the money trail as well. Like you know, the investing into the research from the laboratories that were in Virginia and Maryland, and then moved into Wuhan, and then the military games that happened in Wuhan, and then the sudden outbreak, and all of those things. You can you can track it. So was it a you know was it made in a lab that was always my suspicion from the very very beginning in fact i asked, that was the first question i asked dr lu wing yeah. when we had him on back in march of la of 2020 was it yeah like somewhere well, in this story's pretty much been busted that it was made in the lab because around the 29th of march i think it was uh, fauci and jeremy farrar of the welcome trust and valance and all of these other cronies had this meeting, um, secret meeting, w w with the emails of which have now been released, yeah. a grayed out freedom of information meeting. And basically they wrote then a, a proper scientific paper stating that it was definitely not made in a lab. And that to think it was made in a lab makes you a tin hat foil <laughs> yeah. conspiracy theorist. But of course, actually, you can't, they didn't, they only had probably a week to do that work. So... Um, I reckon that story about it being made in a lab is right, and that 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 is really what happened because of the the way that they responded to it. I was going to say, yeah, like it, something that. Uh, oh, I, th <laughs> I, think, ahead, I think you're on a little bit of a delay or something, uh, Rachel. There. You were ready. You were yeah. ready. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, I think like I go back and I was going to say n not in the same way. Well, I'm going to say this funny analogy, like. I'm at the point now where I don't believe that dinosaurs existed, but <laughs> if they did exist, then I think they were like used to build the pyramids. By so, I'm kind of in this like weird dichotomy with some of these beliefs I hold now. So, it, it, transitioning from dinosaurs to COVID, 
much in the same way. It's like, I remember I was talking to uh, someone early, early on last year about COVID. And uh, I was like, you know, this sounds like a, you know, if this is real, then it obviously is man-made. And it seems like a biological weapon that probably got out. And one of the interesting things uh, uh, this person I was talking to was like, yeah, it kind of sounds like uh, it's interesting, like, because America's, he had just mentioned, we fund a lot of biological warfare stuff in other countries. And we do this biological. And he had said something uh, along the lines of, it's really interesting to think about uh the end like the ruling regimes of countries that are hostile to the united states kind of like basically it's like what countries are ruled by old men that would like easily die from the flu or something like this this special brand of like flu that we <laughs> would be doing is like iran um, a lot of these countries in the Middle East are all like all these old generals in North Korea, in China, like all basically all these older men are all the ones running from the government. So I was going to say part of me believes like if the COVID thing is real, then it was made by the United States to target like all these like it seems perfectly man made to go after like uh, the leaders of these en enemy regimes that are hostile specifically to the United States. Um, so I was going to say, that's one belief of like, that's dinosaurs didn't exist. And then, or, you know, <laughs> I was going to, yeah. just analogy just wise is, yeah. is yeah. either the flu doesn't exist. Dinosaurs right. aren't real. Or if they did exist, it was a man-made weapon by the United States to target our people because like, you know, enemies foreign to us. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just thought that was yeah. really interesting that it seems specifically targeted to like very specific groups of people that just happen to be the this, the demographic of people that are in leadership positions yeah. hostile to the United yeah. States, and and I like you know what James is saying is I think is exactly right to, pig, to yeah. just kind of you know piggy tail on that. Sorry, Rachel, you were going to say something. I just totally cut you off. I'm so sorry. I can hold my thought. Um, no, I was going to say something kind of like similar, summing up what you guys are saying. Um, now the fact that they've never isolated, um, purified, or been able to reintroduce that isolated. Um, viral particle into another creature and that creature actually developed COVID. They've never been exactly. able to do that. So the point is, is it that specifically that's making people sick? Because there's plenty of people who have been around people who tested positive as in they had some of the uh, COVID in their system. Was the thing, was the COVID making them sick or was it present during their sickness so is it the thing that's causing the actual sickness and right. why do some people who test positive have zero symptoms aren't sick is and i think the discussion needs to change and many people who are aware of the idea of germ theory versus terrain theory um the discussion needs to happen whether is a dead completely lifeless has no life virus able to jump to other people and infect them, or is it something that maybe your body is producing in response to a toxic environment, or in some many cases, this is something that was rolled out around the world, um, radio frequencies that are, in a, they're toxic, but then they're also, they create, a, your body needs to start yeah. basically detoxing. Fighting, these, yeah. Um, 
yeah, they would be called exosomes in terrain theory. And it's something that your body's producing all the time. You have trillions of viruses being excreted from your cells every single day. Now, are those things viruses or are they dead particulate matter from your cells that your body no longer needs or they waste that your body's producing in response to your environment? So I think that the discussion needs to be opened up to both sides of that. Now, there is something that is impacting people, and it's something that the developers of the mRNA vaccine have actually talked about as what the real problem is. Um, and the spike protein is actually causing a lot of vascular issues. And that, that was the problem with people who are catching COVID, as it was affecting their vascular system, their whole cardiovascular system, insides of their veins, leading to blood clot problems, yeah. getting oxygen from your body. So there is an issue with the spike protein, not necessarily with the coronavirus itself, because there's a huge family of coronaviruses, but this particular one mm. somehow is related to that spike protein, which they isolated and put in the vaccine, and now people are having issues from the vaccine. So I think that the discussion needs to stop focusing on the vir virality. <laughs> the, That's um, a brilliant point. Um, of okay, is COVID actually contagious or are we focusing on the wrong thing here? Mm. Um, and I truly believe people could have manipulated in the same way that they manipulated HIV and AIDS. I truly believe that they could have manipulated the spike protein. Oh, yeah. And They've already that admitted more. that, though. They've admitted that. Yeah. yeah. But then they literally put it straight into the vaccine that they're giving to right. everybody <laughs> as somehow it's supposed to help you. Right. And so I think that we just need, because it's all in the we're all in the early observational stages of what is called science, which is observation, asking questions, developing theories. And so people need to be doing this instead of just going back to this old theory of germ theory, which not everybody will get sick if exposed to someone else who is sick. And so we need to talk about why that is. Is it the germs that are making you sick or do you have, are you a sick environment that is, more susceptible to it and most of these people who are getting it already have so many pre-existing conditions yeah so the thing the thing that's crazy though is it's really yeah the, all right so this is the this is basically if i'm reading what james is saying correctly it's every they really okay say say they create this virus they release it out it's it reaches a, a bunch of people not not the world at mass but guess what hey we need to reach everyone somehow so hey let's create this vaccine that everyone gets so that they can protect themselves from this. And now we've touched everybody and that's mm -hmm. the goal is to touch everybody. And then, so what's the, what's the goal of the vaccine? So the vaccine is really the harmful thing, yeah. much more harmful than the, than the actual, you know, quote unquote virus. But um, what's the, what's the role for that then? Right. I think it, I mean, I was going to say, James, it, it, the Hegelian dialectic is what they call it, right? The, mm -hmm. Yeah. The problem reaction solution. They make up the problem which is a fake thing that they don't really care about so that they can institute what the plan always was yeah. all along was to get the vaccine and then achieve the goal. Yeah. yeah. And make it mandatory for travel and employment and yeah. receiving any kind of benefits, seeing Money, your family members, your bank. making everyone rely on it because of the outdated theory of germ theory where people are so afraid of being contagious, even if they're not sick, which in reality it's, the state of your body and that requires more personal like ownership and responsibility to think I need to keep my body healthy so that it doesn't 
get sick, you know, like it's not someone else is going to make me sick. And so we need to vaccinate everybody around the world It is what kind of environment am I in and how can I be uh, more proactive about my own health? So control and fear keeps everybody in line. Yeah, sorry. I I would suggest that the vaccine is the start of a very new sort of system that they're taking us into. Mm -hmm. And it started March 2020. And this is the transhumanist state that they want to take us into eventually. And that's going to take us to the group mind concept um, and uploading your mind into the Internet and that all joining together to create the, the new sphere, the mind sphere, which was uh, the end goal that uh, Tilar de Chardin, the Jesuit priest, he, he mentioned it. So we can look at that. In the book, I mention it as a neural hive network. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the vaccine, I would argue, is the start of this. And it's the, it's the end of the kind of old system of East versus West and even enemies. They need to have enemies to keep keep things going like Iran and North Korea. North Korea is an absolute classic, I think, because I think North Korea has been under their, under their control ever since they started it hmm. in the 50s. Wow. But, um, yeah, they're just such maniacs. They're not going to help them to improve their society. They just leave them as one of their little experiments. And yeah. we know that they like their experiments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, they want to take us into this new system whereby – in the past, they were evolving man. They've always been into evolution. This is part of one of their beliefs that goes back thousands of years, that they don't believe kind of like God made everything, that it's it's evolved and happened. And that, so yeah, we've got something else as well. They want to basically depopulate the planet, but mm-hmm. once they want to depopulate us first and then take us into transhumanism. They can't have transhumanism arriving first because then there really will be too many people. <laughs> and so the vaccine is the method of firstly getting us used to transhumanism, getting us used to upgrades and medical um, enhancements of any type. And secondly, it's to do with population control, reducing the number of people. So we've got the Georgia Guidestones, as we know, 500 million is their is their target. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I love. Uh, I never heard it said that before. Uh, the the fact that um, that they they need to reduce the population before the transhumanism uh, like actually takes place. That makes so much sense. <laughs> that uh, it's like, in in it makes. I was going to say we can almost see it when we hear about like Elon Musk or all these guys talking about um, these big proponents, Ray Kurzweil and all these guys talking about the singularity and all this uh, stuff. Not, but I was going to say not naming those guys in particular as being whatever. Those are just big names that talk about transhumanism, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was going to say it always seems like they – keep coming out and they keep saying we're so close we're so close we're so close to like you know being able to have uh artificial general intelligence which is like the the thing that we you know some people say we'll never be able to get to that pure thing or you know that's where it always seems like we're just on the cusp and then something prevents us you know to actually implement it and it makes so much sense that 
they need to i mean just to be frank is they need to kill off <laughs> what billions of people six and a half billion people or however many yeah what, what about, is it about seven billion now like, yeah some seven um billion. they had to kill all these people off because like we can't have the computing power <laughs> to upload you know seven yeah. billion Consciousness. consciousnesses <laughs> all running at one time uh yeah that's, that's really, a brilliant point yeah brilliant plus, point. plus revolt yeah revolt you can revolt when when you when you depopulate to five hundred thousand. it's a lot easier to control that in you know just straight up food shelter yeah. all of that too you know like they can actually do that a lot easier than with billions of people which is insane to think about it's very worrying and yeah this is the century of change that they've had planned for it and um it's in most of their writings mm -hmm. and in the iron mountain writings it even mentions about the evolutionary processes coming to an end and that um in the in the new system that they'll they'll need here i found the uh, quote the development of a sophisticated form of slavery may be an absolute prerequisite for social control mm -hmm. in a world at peace <laughs> so they we, they can either give us war or or peace or they can give us slavery so <laughs> war those days are over no more wars but then they'll be con as contrived as they have always been but they'll be smaller because the weapons are so advanced so now they're going to take us into slavery i mean they're both awful outcomes war and slavery uh, and i hate to say this because it shows such lack of faith but maybe in a way the cryptocracy are right from their twisted point of view they can't give us both peace and freedom in their view mm -hmm. and the hidden government has decided they want peace because weapons weapons that are available are so powerful hmm. but if they give us peace then we must be their slaves so wow. that's where we're headed yeah. <laughs> yeah. so let's talk a little bit about some of the spiritual side of things, the occultic, the the Kabbalah, the Freemasonry stuff that you mentioned as well. Yeah, because I was going to say to preface that in the book you talk about basically like when we're talking about transhumanism, it's interesting because like we I think right now we're at a level of uh, technological advancement that we can actually practically see um, like how technology will be like how it's possible to merge, you know, a consciousness of a human consciousness with it. Like we're able to talk, we can say the cloud and everyone can see how we can, that's, you know, this ethereal, <laughs> you know, neural networks kind of thing. We can visualize that now, but in the book you talked about like, yeah, the history, this idea of transhumanism, which was just very mind blowing to me. Um, of yeah. how It's a very old idea and, it's super occultic. I mean, obviously, but please. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember having discussions with people in 2016, 17 and 18 before my book came out and saying, yes, they want to take us into transhumanism. Roll forward three years only or two years. And like it's, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? Mm -hmm. uh, but of course, no one's speaking about it. Uh, but Klaus Schwab is of the economic forum. He has <laughs> stated that, they want to merge biological and digital aspects of men. You know, <laughs> he wants to. That was pretty good. Oh right, yeah. Well, he comes across as the evil villain from a Bond film. Absolutely, <laughs> right. Klaus Schwab. I mean, he really does. 
Um, but yeah, he wants to merge the biological and the digital to make the new sort of person going forwards. And I've always wondered why, why do they want to do that? Is it just they want to make smarter people? Is it an, an antithesis to God? God created us, but yet they want to create us better. What is the reason for them uh, uh, to take us into this transhumanist world? And it, it does go eventually forward to this idea of the group mind, that we'll all be connected in the group mind. And the first person to think of that was a guy called uh, Vladimir Vernadsky. He was a Russian uh, scientist, a bit like um, Enrico Fermi, if you know the Fermi paradox, a yeah. brilliant high-level yeah, scientist. And he talked about the biosphere, and then he eventually talked about above the biosphere, the mind sphere, and that's the new sphere, that our aim would be to merge with the universe. And um, it, Arthur C. Clarke, he also mentions it in his uh, book, uh, 2001, Space Odyssey, that at the, e at the end of the film, after HAL or IBM has gone wrong the the film ends with him going through lights and then eventually sort of merging into whiteness and that's the conclusion conclusive phase of the sort of cryptocracy's desire i think to take us conquer the universe by merging with it so is that like would, would you equate that with be the illuminated like fully illuminated uh, enlightened Oh, yes. Well, I hadn't thought of it that way. Yes, it's very similar, isn't it? A thousand points of light, which um, Bush and George Bush Sr. was referring to, wasn't he? With, uh, and uh, so did David Rockefeller. He spoke about mm -hmm. it as well. Sort yeah. of Luciferian ideal. Yeah. I was going to say, just since you really quickly mentioned uh, those uh, science fiction writers, uh, I Isaac Asimov uh, mm -hmm. also wrote... Um, I think he he said, if I'm remembering correctly, he said one of his favorite short stories that he ever wrote was this one called The Last Question, um, which is basically, if it's mind-blowing, but it basically ends in the very similar way. And he was, uh, uh, I think, a little bit before uh, Arthur C. Clarke. But the the whole idea of this science, like becoming a, a the one mind, um, uh -huh. That it's all throughout this stuff. But I also want to throw in, I'm not sure if you had known this. Here's a little fact. Arthur C. Clarke was a like confirmed pedophile. I wasn't sure if you yeah. were. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I was going to say. surprise. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> went, God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dear. But sorry, I didn't mean to yeah. derail too much from that. But No, no, yeah. no worries. No. Well, yeah. The, the, the belief of the hidden government, I would argue, have always been occultic, and mm -hmm. it goes back to Egypt and the widget eye and the eye of Horus and being on the one dollar bill, mm -hmm. um, and the idea of living forever, immortality, uh, wrapping the body up in, in, in as a mummy and making connection to go to the afterlife, all of those sorts of ideas are sort of where transhumanism kind of started. Mm -hmm. And in the epic of Gilgamesh, when he goes to gather the plant and uh, it gets stolen by the snake, all of these stories and that the the hidden government, uh, they they have a, an unusual set of beliefs, which are basically Freemasonry that is mixed in with Illuminism as well from the sort of period of the Enlightenment. Um, and 
Yeah, so I would argue that transhumanism is one of their occult beliefs and it, it goes forward also um, mixed in with Darwin and evolutionary thoughts from Malthus as well, Thomas Malthus and mm-hmm. Darwin expounded evolutionary processes. All of that linked in with transhumanism. So, yeah, there's, there's more to come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man. So... Uh... All right, I've, I got a question. I'm going to pause on where we are, but we keep saying they, they, the cryptocracy. Who yeah. are they? Yeah, they are question. real people. They are. They don't want to be known about. We've got Evelyn de Rothschild. He's a good example of mm-hmm. one. He lives in Buckinghamshire. They are from the Rothschild family, and they control, I would argue, vast swathes of... Uh, all businesses, uh, BlackRock, for example, and Vanguard. Vanguard Mm -hmm. is a company that is privately owned, and the owners of that company are not known. But we've got Ellen DeRotel, we've got uh, George Soros. Mm -hmm. In the past, we had David Rockefeller. I would, um, uh, Warren Buffet, um, Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, these are working members of the cryptocracy. Above them are other people. They are real people and they have, they don't do tax returns like you or I. They, they, they are running everything secretly from behind the scenes and they have been doing that for a long time. They are generations, families going forward and they've set up this complicated system of running not only the world's governments but all the secret services and they have all their think tanks and their systems of working out what they want to happen and they have an agenda to fulfill and they're hell-bent on fulfilling it and they they have these unusual beliefs that um, are basically occultism freemasonry and so there are probably only five people that run run the world. The Bible says the ten kings will devour and destroy the whole earth, doesn't it? So mm-hmm. it, it fits in with the Bible there. And also in Psalms chapter two, you know, why do the nations conspire against me? So it's a very, very serious position that the world is in and has been. And I would argue that our ability to make any inroads on what's happening in any way is is just zero. We we can't affect anything really properly. Um, we might manage to, you know, make uh, do do something minor, very minor. But really, it, it, it's game over. These people run everything that we can see. And the, this virus and, and the vaccine is just such a good example. There's mm-hmm. hardly any aspect of it that we haven't seen where they've been lying to us mm. and um, just controlling the agenda. If you're putting up messages about ivermectin being the cure to COVID, they'll disable your YouTube channel or knock right. you down. Yeah. And um, in the States, my book is at $22.57. I'm very sorry, everyone. I cannot seem to change it. <laughs> I want to put it down in price to where it should be, which is $14. But I can't seem to do it. And that's because um, Jeff Bessos and his team have put it on some list and it's meant to be in line with other books of a similar genre and therefore... Mm 
or size, and therefore I can't sell it at the price I want to. I don't have any control. I've written them messages which have gone nowhere, hmm. and um, this is the way the, the the way that we're in. And of course, the Bible says it as well, doesn't it? Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I was just thinking of when you were saying that we were uh, unable when we we're unable to. Uh, is it, it, <laughs> I was going to say it almost. I, I completely agree, and it almost seems uh, defeatist. Like someone might hear that as in we can't really uh, take down, you know, us can not, what am, what's the word, uh, enact change like that at the highest level. You know, like it, it seems hopeless. What are we supposed to do? Well, it's like, yeah, exactly. The Bible tells us that this world is under Satan's dominion yeah. right now. He yeah. is the, you know, he is ruling this right now temporarily because God gave him the dominion, gave him the dominion right. of it. Yeah. So it makes sense that, if Satan's running everything, you know, uh, that it's going to be right. kind of hopeless. Or, you know, not hopeless. And that's not what I'm trying to say, but I'm trying to say it makes sense and it's all biblical that, yeah, Satan's running it. Of course, right. these people are going to be as powerful and, and like not going to be able to The fight one back. thing that he can't stop and that they can't stop is someone moving from control of slavery into this world, into freedom, into the next world of heaven because Jesus himself said, my kingdom is not of this world. Yeah. And and so as someone trusts in the Lord for salvation, they're like they're actually transferred from this world into the eternal world that will have victory, that that's going to ultimately win, you know, um at least biblically from the standpoint of how I read it, <laughs> Jesus yeah. wins everything. <laughs> so they can't stop that, which is amazing cuz nothing can stop God from, you know, doing what he wants to do. But you're right, there is a dominion that he that he's been given of the earth. And he's ruling over. Ultimately, he wants to be worshipped like God. We know that through passages in Ezekiel that, you know, the I am statements that he makes, like, or I will statements, you know, saying Lucifer wanting to be like God, worshipped on high. And so why wouldn't he set up his kingdom here to to bring that forth, you know? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. And people who are atheists as well need to realize that um, as soon as Christianity uh, is gone you've got nothing really to argue your position and point of view with because <laughs> as soon as you've got no you know god-given rights for example mm -hmm. and, and i believe this as you have to start to argue your position from their stance using their language and of course as soon as you start to do that you will lose the argument because they will have their bigger judges above you. But as soon as you start to stand up and say, no, I believe this, and I've been given God-given rights, you you can win the argument. So eventually yeah. it does all come down to belief. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if you're an atheist, I, I would suggest, you know, that you really need to think about this very carefully. It's not acceptable to be holding that position, really, when, when the world is in such a grave position, because you're just helping to bring in the new world order <laughs> by not making any stance and just going along with these right. Ray Kurzweil and Bill Gates and all of these people. What do, you what do you think? So, you know, one of the things that we know about in the last days, they talk about how the world will cry out for peace, peace, we need peace. And then that will be the rise of the Antichrist, who's supposed to bring this peace for a temporary amount of time, do you think that they're going to throw the world into turmoil and um, really allow it to be just a big churning pot of just lack of peace and then Antichrist will rise up in that and kind of settle things down his own way? Yes. 
Yes, it could happen. It could happen. I'm going to make something that might might scare you a bit, but in America, you've got lots and lots of guns, and I, there aren't that many other countries in the world that have as many guns. And I believe, and this is a very big statement, and I hope you know, I hope I'm wrong on it, but I believe that there will be civil war in America, because this is why we've been seeing all of these films coming out promoting guns. This is why we've been having all of these hoax hoaxes because mm-hmm. once you know oh that school got shot up down the road well i better arm myself mm-hmm. and this is why so many people are armed in america and that this is going to boil out and maybe this is a scenario that'll happen and then someone will stand up because mm-hmm. let's face it america is is the world's policeman it's the most important nation and so if that starts to wobble severely mm-hmm. then you know everyone in the world will fall behind it so potentially this is the reason why we're not seeing guns in general being returned back because the cryptocracy want a good civil war. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think there's enough people in America speaking as one uh, that I know I would have a hard time if I owned a gun uh, returning it. If they came to ask for it, I would have a real hard time giving it back yeah. if I had one. Yeah. You know, if, yeah. If, well, I, no, if I had one. If I had, yeah, Most if I had people, one. Yeah, I'm the same as you. Most people in Britain would not be, though. They would say, why do you need a gun? You need to hand it back. I'd be, no, we can't trust the government. We know what they're doing. If you, you know, right. I would take that stance with them. <laughs> so, uh, well, according to our but, president, uh, we need to have nukes and in, in, uh, in F- F-18s yeah. or whatever. <laughs> Already? What, he, yeah, um, he said in a speech just uh, about two weeks ago, They were talk- he was talking to the national, the NRA or somebody of, of that nature, and he was saying, they said, well, he says, what do you need gun? What do you need guns for? You need to protect from the government. If you want to fight, if you want to protect yourself from the government, you better have nukes and F-18s. And uh, right. everybody was like, yeah. oh my goodness. Are you, did he really say that? Like, <laughs> well, that means, oh my word, that's like, terrible thing to say. Yeah, I know. That's he, outrageous. Well, he's, he's kind of like that. Well, they're talking about now going door to door for the, uh, getting the vaccine now. They want to go door to door and into areas where it's not been readily accepted and, and you know, help help people um, come to terms and understand right. that they need this vaccine. And they just nationalized the police force, the Capitol Police, the Capitol police. out in California. Why is the really? which yeah. I would say because I, I worked in D.C. for the last year and a half every day almost. Uh, Capitol Police. I worked a block from the Capitol. They have the blue helmets, just like the UN. <laughs> the white helmets. So the, the, they're like a light blue yeah. helmet, just like uh, same thing with D.C. Police as well, Metro <laughs> Police. They'll probably be enveloped into it all as one. Yeah. <laughs> when you see when you see this stuff it go it blows your mind when you start to recognize it and you're like well it could be that <laughs> yes yeah. yes peace coming first and then the antichrist being declared as being the world ruler yeah we know that it wasn't trump because he likes women in daniel doesn't it say <laughs> the antichrist so that's quite an easy one to uh <laughs> To get round, he'll probably um, he'll probably be a homosexual. That's true, according to Daniel. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, people yeah. freak out when I say that. It's true. It says he doesn't have one of the affections of women, is uh, basically what it says in Daniel, mm-hmm. and um, and th- which would mean he's probably homosexual. Which would mean it makes so much more sense why that agenda is just literally being pressed and pressed and pressed against everything in our culture. You know, we're forced to accept it. And, uh, you know, if you have a stance of traditional marriage in the United States in particular, now you're you're basically considered, you know, a homophobe, bigot, 
you know, you're Nazi. You're yeah. a Nazi. You're yeah. a fascist. Yeah, you're the worst person ever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what they think. Yeah. So I was going to say, uh, we talked about Freemasonry a, a little bit. Um, what, and you uh, wrote about quite a bit in the book as like a, uh, uh, we talked a lot, some about those secret societies, but you had mentioned like the, the numerology of uh, March, what is it, 30th, 20, 322. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah. And 322, yeah. 322, which is uh, ties into the Skull and Bones Society. Um, and you wrote a lot. I, I, we like the secret societies a lot. And we well. did a couple episodes on uh, the Freemasonry and the founding of America and how there's just all, there's obviously a lot. But you have a lot about that. Uh, could, could you go into like the Freemasonry and I wanted to hear uh, like the sim- symbology and all that and how that all kind of plays into it? Yes. Well, the, the start of Freemasonry goes back to about 16, mid 16th century. And the first sort of meeting was 1717 in, in a pub in, in London. And obviously they claim that their religion goes back to sort of Nimrod, who was their first sort of darling. For, for me, he was against God, so he was a bad guy. But for them, for some odd reason, they think he's a good guy. I mean, can they even read scripture? Um, <laughs> obviously not. Um, you know, and Tubal Cain being a good guy, and he was a bad guy, Lamech as well. So they start off on the wrong footing, and um, their, their beliefs go back, so they say, to sort of the Egyptians, and uh, one of the things that yeah I find interesting about them is is obviously they've got this 32 degree system of going through degrees and finding out more secrets as you as they go through. And uh, but um, the actual lodge where they meet has the worshipful master sitting in the east, and you enter into the building from the west. The people, they actually do sit opposite each other. But with the worshipful master sitting in the east, when they look at what's going on in the proceedings, they are looking east. And they claim that this is King Solomon's temple. Hmm. And so, you know, churches, they fit based east, but they don't claim to be King Solomon's temple. But Freemasons claim that a lodge is a representation of King Solomon's temple. But there's one big problem with that. King Solomon's temple was facing west, <laughs> not east. <laughs> so, yeah, in, in Jerusalem, King Solomon's temple faced it west, and the, the, um, the, uh, the priest and the congregation, they were looking the other way. And so it's all 180 degrees the wrong way, and we know about everything being done the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So, but, but, so for a start, they're not on a good footing, but it's just the... There are so many presidents, and uh, Roosevelt, for example, he was a 32-degree Mason, and uh, there are so many secret goings-on that they um, uh, are hiding behind. And I think most of the time, Freemasonry, those people who go to the lodge, they're not doing anything nefarious. But what's to stop a small little clique above doing things and... In the protocols, it says that masonry is a shield behind which 
the cryptocracy can hide. Mm -hmm. So it, it's some part of their system of controlling that they sit behind Freemasons and if they need to get some sort of job done, then they can lean on that person or that judge or whoever. I, I know Freemasons would go mad at that statement that I'm saying that there's <laughs> corruption and that it's going on, but why would they bother setting this whole thing up if there, was, if there wasn't some going, up behind, going on behind it? So it's a totally evil belief system. It's getting yeah. everything wrong. Their knowledge of Hebrew is obviously pathetic. They can't read scripture. You know, they're, they're Luciferians. They, mm -hmm. they climb up the ladder. The 18th degree, they're basically told that it's Lucifer, you know, is the, the good God of the Old Testament, which is not true, obviously. Um, and, they, and they learn all of those incredibly long-winded plays some of them are decent people, but, you know, they've just got off to such a bad start. And also it goes down the generations as well. There is a kind of generational curse. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I've, I've, I've seen that a little bit, just a little bit um, with some people that I know. What's amazing, yeah. too, is in America here, it's definitely it's crept into so many uh, facets of our culture from, you know, it, it's very well represented in the police department, in the police um, networks. It's also in the banking and business um and they'll use it as networking, you know, to, you know, they, they always say we're networking as, you know, to help each other in business. And, we, and it's, they all, they all talk about how that's philanthropist and they want to make sure they're helping each, like even one of the rules for Freemasonry is that if you have an issue, you, you go to a brother who's a Freemason first to use his business for something yeah. rather than someone who's not. And so they're kind of scratching each other's back. And so it works well if you're, like if you're an innocent, like ignorant person to these things and, and you have a business and maybe you're just a plumber, but you know, you want to, you want to get more business. So you meet a guy that's a Freemason and he's like, yeah, come down to the lodge sometime. You can meet some other guys that could probably hire you to work for them. And then next thing you know, you're in with ignorance and innocence really. And, uh, and then slowly you start getting indoctrinated over the time. And eventually there's going to be a crossing point where you're going to have to make a decision you know, um, I don't know how often it gets yeah. there and how deep that goes or how quickly that happens. I think it's different for every person, but it's they're all yeah. over the place. There's a there's Freemason lodges everywhere in America. It's crazy. Yeah, there are a lot in England as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you, it's very very poor situation. We, we, we get yeah. to thank uh, we get to thank the uh, French and the British for having it here in America. <laughs> Sorry it, about that. <laughs> George Washington, he was one, wasn't he? Yes, yeah. he was. Yeah. Yeah, and Jefferson. So most of them actually were. Yeah. Uh, Mark Twain was one, which I always find upsetting because I love some of his little quips <laughs> and comments. I always yeah. find them quite interesting the way he says something and then undoes it. And uh, But yeah, he was one. Um, and uh, Huxley's, I think they were. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, it, many, it, many, uh, many of our. Uh, Founding fathers were Masons, yeah. which is you, you, yeah. can, you can go into D.C. just driving around the city. I don't know if you've ever been over to D.C., but you can see all kinds of of uh, imagery of Freemason yeah. imagery everywhere in I the mean, city. Just the whole city. Is... Yeah, it's laid out the whole thing. Yeah, it's crazy. Yes, yeah, the layout, the upside down pentacle, isn't it? And mm -hmm. the also owl. on the one dollar bill, the Mason word. Yeah, mm -hmm. where it says Anis coeptis pluribus unum or whatever you get the you get the mason word as an upside down pentacle <laughs> and obviously you've got the freemasonry eye there mm -hmm. on the one dollar bill and the pyramid which is 
harking back to Egypt. Yeah. But the the eye itself goes back to uh, Jacob Boehm, I think it is. He was a Christian sort of mystic um, who kind of fused in um, these sorts of the- theosophy sort of beliefs that some of these Freemasons hold before kind of Freemason really took hold. Yeah. He, he was quite an important figure in that that element, but in Freemasonry, yeah. So let me ask you a question. Um, if I know that you mentioned that it's like really this is their domain. We we don't if we make a disruption, it'd be minor and all of that. But for the for the believer, for the Christian that's listening to this, what kind of encouragement can they take away from this? What kind of you know how can they prepare their mind, their heart, their spirit? you know, for what's happening right now to be clear and just standing in Christ and all of that, what, what would you say? Well, each person has a calling. And so your, you know, your walk with, with Christ and Jesus is personal to yourself. And it's good to find out your own path and find out what Christ really wants you to do. And maybe some people he wants you to remain as you are in your current situation and that whatever gets thrown at you um stand firm in the faith um there have been lots of difficulties that humanity has faced in the past and it's not to say just because we're living in 2021 that they're not going to sort of re-emerge so be be prepared and stay close to christ trust him as best you can and uh find out your walk your path you know, don't don't go off and live in the woods. Maybe not quite yet. <laughs> Just stay, stay where you are. <laughs> Can we at least yeah. buy property out there somewhere? <laughs> Get ready. Maybe Montana would be good. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know that well. I don't, I've been to the states a few times, but I don't know it well. But yeah. I haven't been to Washington. I've been to New York and uh, Los Angeles, and I tried tried to climb El Capitan once nice. in ninety one. Yeah. Very keen rock climber, but we didn't get to the top because it was too windy for us. But, yeah. yeah, but find your believe in Christ. Keep going. Don't don't give in. Don't go and get the vaccine. I think that's a big mistake. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I you know I know we've got Celeste Solemn and some people saying that that you know probably is the mark of the beast. It could be. We don't we don't know. And um, there's some scripture that says it can't be the mark of the beast. Um, but uh, there, there are—they're not going to be killing people off immediately because then it would be too obvious. Oh, you had the vaccine and you're dead. It's too obvious, isn't it? So they're just going to do it underhandedly. Yeah. But uh, well, what's know, crazy is I don't know if you've heard of the VAERS, the V A E R S. It's a—it's yeah. vaccine adverse effects reporting, yep. and they're saying that one percent is reporting. We have over five thousand deaths from the vaccine right now, uh, just in the U S. And if one percenter are actually reporting from that, then uh, we're talking what five hundred thousand people would have would have died, which it will outpace the vi- the actual virus in deaths in right. one year versus Gosh. two for the virus that it's been released. So that's that's the thing about it is that it, I think there are more people that are being harmed in a great way, even dying that are that we know about. They're just not reporting. Well, yeah, I was gonna say because the the deaths doesn't include. COVID. (laughs) Well, no, I was going to say things like miscarriages because obviously they're not going to, I mean, are we going to count all the unborn babies that are, right. That die as a result of the 
think they, they well they wouldn't count it because that's on a baby you know right. they don't care <laughs> so and that's not even in part of the vares that's what i'm saying yeah, yeah. so not, we're not so. even counting the, the lives of the unborn children that and that seems to be another thing too, James. Is like uh, a lot of the studies are reporting that um, it's it's actually having a negative effect on the physiological side of things in in regards to reproduction. It's creating sterilization in mm-hmm. women. It's destroying their uterus, uh, and yeah. it's all connected to that spike protein as well. Um, yeah. So if if even if it doesn't kill them, it, but it does keep a large percentage of those that receive it from being able to reproduce, then in a matter of 20 years, you're going to have a massive depopulation very quickly. Yes, absolutely. Yes, they, some of those scientists who are t- trying to expose information about it rather than give us false data all the time, they were saying that the lipid count in ovaries was massively higher than they would expect. And this was a real what concern to them. And they were being very open and honest about it. And uh, so it does seem to be that for some people, they would have game planned this for a long time and checked yeah. out the figures and known about it. They don't, they don't take chances. They're very calculating about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But this, this is implying that it, that it does exist. But yeah, they would have. Um, so yeah, they, they, yeah, it's going to hit um, sterilization. Also, you know, men's testes that we've had reports. There have been reports about. Um, uh, infertility there as well. Yeah. yeah. And I was going to say, not even to count, I just thought of this as another uh, casualty number to count along with this is the suicides from, mm. as a result of the lockdowns themselves. They don't even need, um, I was going to say, maybe I don't want to spend this whole episode on COVID, but I mean, that's just another thing is that suicides, I, I, I want to say, wow. was something astronomical. Yeah. Was you know it's already on the upswing anyways as a result of you know everything that's being pushed down uh, you know suicides and kids and all this stuff is rising in astronomical numbers uh, the general over you know people are just killing themselves more which is really sad but even more so when you had this you know the lockdowns and everything and the feeling of utter hopelessness um, is just yet another casualty number that's not um, listed you know yeah like take into account so yeah so james is there anything you want to add to what you've shared so far anything else that you want to touch on well just keep the faith faith everyone and uh (laughs) keep the faith buy the book if you want (laughs) sorry it's 22 i'm trying to reduce it for u.s dollar buyers and uh can we buy it directly from you Do, do you have a website that they can purchase I haven't done that, but I am thinking of doing that next time. Okay. Uh, I've got a book that I'm writing basically about transhumanism and the cryptocracy and Ooh. putting all of these pieces together of uh, this p- puzzle. And uh, hopefully that'll be out by the end of the year. I've, I've got a lot of work to do on it. I printed it off for the first time today, actually. Oh, yeah. awesome. I'm pleased, yeah. But um, yeah, Dubai, it's the new world religion and the beliefs of the elite. So... Mm-hmm. The, the new world religion, James Musker. Yeah, we'll yeah. put a we'll put a link to the book in the show notes on the podcast, as well as um, how can people connect with you? Are you uh, on social media at all or anything? Yeah, I, I'm I'm on Facebook. If you put New World Rel, you, you you should be able to find me there. Oh, sorry, it's called the the Regeneration. On Twitter, I'm New World Rel gotcha. underscore New underscore World underscore Rel. 
and on. Um, I don't put, put a huge amount up because I'm I'm so busy doing my normal job. Um, mm, yeah. But uh, we've got some really nice people that follow me on there, so please have a look and log in if you want. Yeah. Great, great. Yeah. Well, so we'll connect you. We'll connect those as well in the show notes. And I'm so thankful that you agreed to come on. I think this was an outstanding interview, and I can't encourage our listeners to get your book anymore. Yeah. Uh, get the book, read it, and study it. You'll find yourself just growing and learning from it and connecting dots in ways that you probably didn't think you would. Um, it was written, I've read, I've read a lot of systematic theology books, you know, through the years of being a pastor, and it, w- it read like a systematic theology yeah. book. The way that you write it out, it's very systematic, it's ordered and structured, and it's easy to digest, and I really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, these, Thanks, the, these topics can be really heavy and confusing, you know. Um, yeah. It's, it's themes and, and words that we don't use in everyday language typically. So um, it can be a little bit overwhelming. Yeah. Well, th- thank you very much, Turner. That's very, very kind of you to say yeah. that. I'm touched, yeah. Well, yeah, when you get your, your new book done, yeah, please, please come if you'd back. Like to come back, yeah. <laughs> yes, I'd love to come back. Yes, I enjoyed our conversation. And That's if great. there's anything you ever want to share, hit us up. You're welcome back. That you have an open door every anytime yeah. you want. Thanks, thanks. That'd be Absolutely. good. Thank you. And if you come to DC, definitely hit us up, and we'll you know we'll grab a pint and uh, and and uh, yeah. have a good time together. <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. Thanks. <laughs> I guess yeah. I guess that's what they do in Britain, right? They grab a pint. What do you guys? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> grab a pint. Yes, or a curry. Okay. <laughs> go for a curry night. There yeah. you go. I I'd love that. That'd be great. So, yeah. <laughs> so come on across the pond. Thanks, Dana. Yeah, I will. I will one day. I'm sure. Thank you. Great. Well, thanks again, James, and we'll catch you next time. And uh, we appreciate all your work. Thank yes. you. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bye bye. Thanks, Rosie. Rachel.